Hey everyone, I'm Kari. Hello everyone, I'm Anne-Marie. And this is CSI Talk. Hello everyone, welcome back another week, another episode of CSI Talk. Hi. Before we get into today's episode, just want to let you all know that this is a safe space for you. This is always going to be a safe space for you, okay? Another postscript is... CBS announced a couple of days ago that all the shows won't be back until each January. Yeah, which means that, as we said last week, so CSI Vegas season three, we could be seeing a premiere day in January. So, yeah, January. I mean, it's okay. We can handle it, right? We've waited longer for CSI Vegas, and of course, we can't wait a few months to come back. And thank you again to those who reached to Liz Vathy, Sarah Gilman, the Sarah podcast. Thank you for your input. Thank you so much for replying and helping us and informing the fans what you needed us to know. Especially Sarah, Sarah Gilbert, thank you so much. I love you so much, and you always influence. And we have always loved Penny. Me especially, I love Penny. I'm always here on this campaign. Come, I'm in this campaign to make Penny a series regular for season three. And God willing, she's going to be a series regular for season three. So thank you all so much. For your input and for making things clear for the fans, I think it was really important for everyone to know where you stand as a performer and as an actor. So today, as we said last week, actually two weeks ago, right? Because we've been seeing this for two weeks. We are approaching our 100th episode. Next week. Next week, yeah. So we thought, why not break down an episode that we have been saying that we are going to break down for ages now. We decided to break down Grave Danger. But Grave Danger is a very long episode. It's a two-parter episode. Today, we're going to be breaking down the first part of Grave Danger. This episode was actually directed by Quentin Tarantino. He also wrote the episode along with Anthony Zyker. My birthday, buddy. Yeah, along with Anthony Zyker and Shankar and Carol Mendelsohn. The official synopsis of the episode is the separated graveyard shift team joined together as one of their own. It's kidnapped from a crime scene and held for a million dollar ransom by a mysterious and vengeful assailant. However, it soon appears that the kidnapping may be about more than the ransom. A little backstory, if you guys don't remember, at this point, the team has been separated by Ackley. Early in the season, there was a case that Grissom was testifying and he saw a fingerprint that wasn't there when he first looked at the evidence. 
and actually saw that it was really bad for the department. So he decided that it was best to separate everyone. He made Catherine supervisor of the swing shift and Nick and Warwick went to work under her while Sarah was still working with Grissom on the night shift and Greg, he was still pending on his evaluation to become a CSI. But I mean, poor, poor Greg, he was working both shifts, right? But pending his evaluation, he was going to work under Grissom with Sarah. But on this case, the team becomes one, as you know it, because Nick gets kidnapped. Nick is called to a crime scene, and it's really upsetting because Nick is so happy when he goes to this crime scene. He's singing in the car. That song about Christmas in Las Vegas, and maybe because he's called to a scene to investigate a call about body parts in an area when he gets there. The officer leads him to a pile of bloody intestines in the Vankton parking lot. And the officer wanders off because he's too disgusted at the scene. Let me just ask you something. Have all the officers learned one thing or two about what happened to Holly Grips? Well, what happened to Catherine? I know most of the time CSI send those officers away, but there was only Nick at the scene. He was not with Warwick or Sarah or Greg or anyone else. The officer walks off to get some fresh air and he ends up throwing up and Nick starts to take pictures of the evidence and he is not aware that someone is watching him from behind the dumpster. It's really creepy. If you watch the episode, it's really creepy. So he starts to place all the evidence more next to the intestines and he finds a broken cigarette and then he finds some time tracks. And then he realizes that there is a styrofoam cup in an evidence bag, which is weird because that's not how they put evidence and how they keep evidence. He goes to process the bag and then someone shows up behind him and grabs him. It'll be later revealed that someone used Ethelene. I think it was Ethelene. Well, it's old school. It, it was something that was used by doctors to knock out the patient when they had to undergo surgery. So it's something that can really knock you out. If you're wondering why Nick didn't wake up, I mean, it's something that can really knock you out. It's whoever's no alcohol or anything or nail polish remover and it's, it has that really strong sense. I mean, if it's put really close to your nose, it's, it's going to knock you out. Catherine and Grissom and Brass, they arrive at the scene 25 minutes later. Brass is yelling at the officer because he's like, you shouldn't have taken your eyes off him. You should not even have gone to go and take a fresh air. Brass is really really angry and upset. He's probably having flashbacks to what happened to um, to Holly. As he should, actually. As he should. 
Catherine and uh, and Grissom, they are examining the scene. Catherine appears to kind of be losing it, but you can say whatever you want about Grissom, but Grissom, even those cases involve someone that he knows and he, someone that he loves. He always has this very objective eye, this very cold eye, if you will, that allows him to knowledge control. That allows him to investigate. Yeah. They find Nick Evans markers and they find his vest. Catherine is able to find a white fiber from the vest and she's like, well, it smells like alcohol. It, it's probably how the assailant knocked him out. Grissom realizes that there's a plastic bag with the cup. And he's like, huh? That's suspicious. That's weird. It's not their stuff. It was not bagged by any of them. Yeah, because that's not how they bag it. And even if they did bag it, they would have put one of their initials on it. And it's not the tape that they use. I think if they tape that they use, it's red or is it orange? I don't know. And Grissom's like, maybe it's a message. He would be right. It, it is a message. He will be right. In the following episode, we would realize that that cup is a message from the assailant. Yeah, we got a flashback to eight hours earlier. Grissom is recreating a double homicide, and he tells Sarah that they're a mystery victim or identical twins. That's why there was only one set of DNA. And I love how Sarah acts like a little kid. I mean, there was enough blood for two people, but she didn't know, like, how could it be, like, one set of DNA. It seems like a very slow night with no cases at all. Archie is asking Ackley for extra pay because he needs to go to a trip to prison to pay for Hodges and Greg. They're playing a board game. Not the first time that we've seen Hodges playing a board game. While working. The first board game he ever created was the one in, in Lab Rat. No, not Lab Rat, but you know what the episode I'm talking about from season eight. Yeah. In the locker room, Warren is telling Nick what happened when he went on a date with his wife, telling Nick that he almost got into a fight with two other guys because apparently his wife doesn't like that he carries a gun. And then Ward told his wife that after what happened, then during their days, he's going to start carrying his gun everywhere. No. Because my boyfriend tells me, like, every time we go on a date, I'm going to carry my gun. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There's a major okay. red flag right there. Catherine, she shows up and she tells Nick and Work that they've got two cases that night. They've got a trash run or an assault at a street club. So they flip a coin for the street club case and Work is the one that gets the case. And Nick walks away, flips the coin and gives it to Work and says that it's bad luck. Because Warwick has a gambling problem. Okay, Nick. 
And we go back to present day, and Nick is finally awake, finally wakes up, and he is in the trunk of a car with his hands tied around his back. And the car comes to a stop, and Nick is prepared to kick his kidnapper when the trunk is open, but his kidnapper knocks him out again with more alcohol. My poor guy, he was ready to fight for his life. But Catherine and Grissom, they are still looking over the crime scene, and Catherine, she finds nothing near the dumpster. Grissom is actually examining the entrails, that's what they call the remains that they found. He realizes that the blood pool around the entrails is almost too perfect and that there is no blood pattern which means that whoever put the entrails that made it look like a certain way nick was not the target that's how they realized that nick was not the target it doesn't matter which csi responded to the scene the csi that responded to the scene would be the target Warren shows up, and he's suffering from a guilty conscience. We will see that more clearly on part two, but he's already showing signs that he's suffering from survival's guilt, and he offers to help. Nick's vest is shown to the sand dog, and they run up a trail, and Warwick is behind them. Obviously, Grissom was not going to be the one to, to run after the thin dogs. And the sense stops at a rectangular void in the pavement made by a large vehicle that was parked while it was raining. Okay. Warwick measures the void and he goes to take out his notebook to write it down but instead he finds the coin that Nick gave him earlier and he is feeling guilty like his guilt goes to a whole new level. Back in autopsy Doc Robbins tells Catherine that the remains that they found at the scene belonged to a dog. Sarah tells Grissom that she got no results from the evidence back that was recovered from the scene. There is no trace, there is no fingerprints, there's nothing on there. And she also said that there is nothing on Nick's camera as well. There's only pictures, general pictures from the scene, but there's nothing on that kidnapper. Greg has pulled all of Nick's past and present cases. And Grissom tells Greg to look specifically at Nick's soccer. If you don't remember, Nick had a soccer. Just talked about that not too long ago. Yeah. We talked about this episode not too long ago, a few episodes ago. I think it was like three, three or four episodes ago, if I'm not mistaken. But it is at that end because none of these cases would be related to, to Nick's kidnapping. Hodges, he runs the the track and wheelbase measurements in the system. He finds seven possible vehicles. They match the measures that work found. And 
Warwick is talking to a dispatch officer and tells her to run the traffic cameras in a three-block radius from Nick's room seat. And they spot a Ford Expedition truck that is moving really quickly. And Warwick realizes that that is the car that they are looking for. I mean, they've got no evidence to prove that it's the car that they are looking for, but in the end, it would be the car that they were looking for, but okay. We go back to Nick. Nick is put in the box, yeah. There is vents on both of his sides. The kidnapper cut his zip ties, and he puts glow sticks, a gun, and a tape recorder in the box, and then he closes off the lid and starts covering the box with dirt. And he buries Nick alive. I absolutely hate that. Why would you do this to my boy? It's, it is so painful to watch. The team is going over after they have so far. And assuming that they have the right vehicle and headed east until it drove off the grid. So Sarah's like, oh, so that means they can be anywhere between Las Vegas and Arizona. <laughs> She's right. Catherine says that the Wi-Fi ever stayed covered for Nick's vest wore cotton with traces of ether on them. As we said before, this was used in surgeries back in the day. And it really knocks you out. Uh, Grissom's like, well, this is old school. People do not use that anymore. And Greg says that he doesn't think anything from Nick's active or Ted's cases has anything to do with what is happening right now. And his soccer is still behind bars. So they think that Nick might be just a random target because there is no way that the kidnapper would have known that Nick would be there at the scene. And Sarah said that there was no print on the cup that they could recover or on the evidence bag. And they don't talk anymore because they get distracted because of there is yelling in the hallway. Hodges is yelling at a courier because the courier was dropping off a package. Hodges rips the package off the courier's hand and he tells Grissom that he was trying to prevent any print from getting smudged, any trace from getting lost because the package is about Nick. So it's like, let me handle this. <laughs> I love that. The calm one. Yeah, I love that. Horrified looks from everyone in the room, but I am looking at Grissom. So he takes the factors into the lab while the poor courier was taken to be there. And the rest of the team is watching from the outside. Grissom cuts, cuts the package open. He finds a tape and a flash drive inside. So there's no trace on either one of them. They go back to Nick and he wakes up and he hits his head on the lid. My boy is probably having a headache. Well, he hits his head on the lid and he tries to sit up. 
And when he actually comes to, he finds the glowing stick, and he illuminates the area, and he finds out to his horror that he has been buried alive. And he picks up the gun nearby and finds out that it's loaded. He also finds the tape recorder and hits the play. The message says, Hi, CSI guy. You're wondering why you're here? Because you follow the evidence. Because that's what CSIs do. So breathe quick, breathe slow. Put your gun in your mouth and pull the trigger. Any way you like, you're going to die here. Well, Nick has a panic attack inside the, inside the box. Yeah. Like in the lab, with the team around him, puts the tape into a player and the song called Outside Chance by the turtle is playing. So the lyrics are, you can try to please me, but it won't be easy. Stonewall surrounds me. I'm surprised that you even found me. And you don't stand an outside chance. You don't stand an outside, but you can try. It's literally to taunt the CSI. Grissom puts the flash drive into the computer and the message appears. One million dollars in 12 hours or the CS die. Drop off instructions to follow. And now for your viewing pleasure, you can only watch. Grissom clicks on the watch and they see a live video feed of what is happening to Nick. This was before live stream was, was a thing. Okay, this was before live stream was a thing. I mean, this is before the, those things were a thing. And the light shines on Nick, and he is still having a panic attack to try and find a way out. And the rest of the team is horrified to watch what is going on, and Grissom is like doing some calculations to check how much breathable air does Nick still have. He realizes that Nick has about one hour and 15 minutes of air left. And Catherine says that if they have 12 hours to deliver the money, the kidnapper must have put in another source of air to keep Nick alive for that long. The video feed cuts out and it brings them to the watch screen again. Ward clicks the button again. And they are actually watching the live feed because they didn't know if there was a live feed or if it was something that had already been reported. Brass is now interrogating the courier and his lawyer and the lawyer is telling the courier to watch what he's saying because Brass is going to take out any information that he has. And the courier said that he got a call to pick up a package and when he got the address, he found a hundred dollars taped to the to the package, and he gambled away. And he never spoke to anyone anything. So Brass and the officers go to the address and break down the door, and they find some drunk guys sleeping in the recliner. And the address is a dead end. When he tells Grissom that Grissom is like, "Well, the kidnapper probably chose a random house." because they knew that the police was going to chase it. 
actually tells the department that he stole from the mayor and the city of Las Vegas is not going to finance the ransom because they do not negotiate with terrorists. So, so uh, Catherine goes to daddy. Yeah. Before that, uh, Catherine and Grissom, they meet with Nick's parents. And the parents says that they need an extra day to get $1 million. They don't even just need an extra day to get a million dollars. They must be loaded. Yeah, I mean, they did say they had a ranch. Well, yeah. Grissom said that they had a very little information about who has Nick or why they have Nick. Nick's dad was like, well, what do you have? How do you even know that my son is alive? So they decided to show Nick's parents what was happening. So they show them the live feed. And Nick has an adorable nickname from his father. Yeah, which is punctual, which Grissom pays attention to because that is the nickname that would make Nick calm down enough to. But that's next week. Yeah. Catherine actually comes to the decision to ask her father for the money. So she goes to the casino and she talks to him. He asks, are you here as a CSI or as my daughter? She says, I'm here as your daughter and one of my friends is kidnapped. Yeah. Sam Brown ended up agreeing to give her the money. So she shows up in the lab and shows it to Grissom. And Grissom is like, well, this is a donation. And this is a donation from an anonymous source. You cannot be seen around this money because if you are seen around this money, they're going to know. That you're the one who asked your father for it because they know that Sam is Catherine's father and she used the lab's resources to prove that Sam was her father. The timer on the video ends and the message changed to the place where they should meet is 4672 Funny Rain. Boulder Highway, be there in 20 minutes, or don't bother coming. Well, Grissom goes alone. Idiot. He sees the vehicle that matches the descriptions of the getaway car, which was the car that Warwick spotted in the beginning of the episode. He says that he's from the crime lab, and another voice tells him to come through the door. And then when Grissom walks in, he sees a dead dog. And would it be from that dead dog that the intestines came from? Yeah. A man is watching Nick on the live video team. And Grissom flies the money to the kidnapper and says, oh, is there some tricks here? Something on the money, some tracker on the money and Grissom tells him that there is nothing on the money. They just want Nick back. The kidnapper opens the bag and he's actually surprised to find the money and that the money is real. And when Grissom asks where they can find Nick, the kidnapper starts to ask Grissom questions like, what does Nick Stokes mean to you? How do you feel when you see him in that coffin? 
Does your soul die every time you push that button? How do you feel knowing that there is nothing you can do to get him out of that hell? Helpless? Useless? Impotent? Then he reveals that he is actually using a bomb vet and tells Grissom that he should back up a little. And it's an evil point. Yeah, so then he blows himself up. So he blows the money up and he also leaves Grissom all injured. And fans are left wondering what just happened. Because the episode ends. Look, Grissom had a hearing problem that was fixed with surgery. What about that? I just wondering how was his hearing after what happened? After that explosion. His ears were ringing. It was so difficult to watch Nick inside that coffin. It's going to be a lot more difficult to watch part two because it probably came part two, but I was surprised to find out they didn't use CGI ants. I mean, they used actual ants on, on that scene. Okay. In a lot of stuff, one does insects, they use real insects or arachnids. I mean, as Paula Newsom said in an interview, they shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't have put George H through that. I mean, it is one of the most watched episodes of CSI until this day, like Grave Danger Part 1 and 2, but still, it's a, it's, wow. It's just, I don't like the idea of being buried alive. I'm claustrophobic. And seeing one of my favorite characters going through it was hard enough to watch Sierra being kidnapped and... But still, what happened after? Yeah, I know. But still. And then this whole storyline made me really scared to walk out at night alone. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's this story, but, you know, I don't like stepping outside my house at night. Part two is going to be a lot harder for me because of what Nick goes through. I mean, it's already hard enough to watch him go through what he goes through on this first part. I think Grissom realized that it could have been Sarah, like this case could have fallen into the night shift and they could have sent Sarah into this case and she could have been the one that was buried alive, not Nick, you know. I, I think you know, that was for me. I think that was a very good moment. But I also cannot help but 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 think like Greg was his name his first few moments as a CSI, and this type of thing happens. I mean, you gotta be traumatizing, right? You gotta be traumatizing. It starts working as a CSI, and his coworker gets kidnapped. He gets kidnapped on the job. A year later. Uh, his best friend would also be kidnapped. No, it was over a year later because this happened in the end of season five. Season yeah. six, one of his best friends was shot. And then a year later, one of his best friends, a month later after his best friend is shot, he gets beaten up. A month later, his best friend's kidnapped. A month later, his best friend flees. And then months later, one of his other best friends gets killed. Gotta be a, a bit of a traumatic experience for him, huh? Within his first hundred cases, that's for one of his friends gets kidnapped. Two of his friends get kidnapped. A friend, like, two friends get shot. One of them does not survive. This would get being shot. And 
And then right when, not long after, he said, hey, you'll agree. His supervisor, his trainer, said he's leaving. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure his therapist was, was hearing a lot at that point. Can you imagine the therapy sessions? If he went to them? Yeah. But, I mean, he did tell Mike that he did, that he went to the sessions, right? After Demetrius. So, yeah, next week we're going to break down part two of Great Danger. And we're in for a treat because that episode is really hard for me to watch. And it's also our 100th episode. It's also our 100th episode. So, thank you so much, guys, for listening. We love you. Bye. Love y'all. Bye.